I'm Martine Powers. This is an election update from Post Reports. It's Friday, November 20th. This has been an extraordinary week in our democracy because we have in President Trump an executive who's using the power of the presidency, the awesome powers of his office, to try to overturn the results of the election, to effectively try to stay in power despite the clear will of the people, of the voters. That's Phil Rucker, White House bureau chief for The Post. He's been reporting on all the ways the president is attacking the results of the election. He placed a phone call earlier this week to a Republican member of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers, the the election official in Wayne County, Michigan. That's the largest county in Michigan by population. It's the home of the city of Detroit, uh, very heavily Democratic. It voted for Biden by a substantial margin. And Trump called her one night. And after the phone call, she actually signed an affidavit saying she wanted to withdraw her signature from the formal search certification of the vote results in Wayne County. Hmm. And that was a, a pretty extraordinary act of pressure by the president to lean on a Republican official in Wayne County. And then on Friday, the president is scheduled to meet with the House and Senate uh, state legislative leaders in from Michigan. Both of them are Republicans flying to Washington from Detroit to meet with the president. And it's unclear what they're going to talk about, but there is a possibility laid out in state law where if a number of things fall into place, the state legislature could actually decide how to award Michigan's electors to the Electoral College. Hmm. And there's a remote possibility that despite Biden's win in, in the vote in the state of Michigan, uh, that that the legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, could actually award Trump electors. And that seems to be what the president is encouraging. So these were some direct actions taken by the president. But then on Thursday, we also saw this extraordinary press conference with Rudy Giuliani and other members of the Trump campaign's legal team, where they basically spouted conspiracy theories. Can you tell me more about what happened there? Martine, it was such a spectacle. An hour and 45 minutes at the headquarters of the Republican National Committee, Rudy Giuliani, the president's lead attorney. Good afternoon, and thank you very much for coming. Uh, This is um, representative of our legal team. We're representing uh, President Trump, and we're representing the Trump campaign. Effectively alleged a widespread and coordinated plot, a conspiracy, to rig the election on behalf of Joe Biden. They elected Donald Trump. They didn't elect Joe Biden. Joe Biden is in the lead because of the fraudulent ballots, the illegal ballots that were produced and that were allowed to be used after the election was over. They even alleged that the conspiracy had roots in Venezuela uh, with the late Hugo Chavez. The Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, And the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he never lost an election after one constitutional referendum came out the way he did not want it to come out. 
there's simply no evidence to support what they said. They they offered no evidence to support their claims at the press conference. Uh, that sort of widespread fraud just does not exist. We're now three weeks after the election, and and there's no evidence that's been uncovered to support these claims and these conspiracies. But it speaks to uh, the desperation on the Trump side to you know wage a public relations battle to try to reverse the outcome of the election. They have tried for a few weeks now in courts uh, all across the country to wage legal challenges claiming voter fraud. And all of those challenges have been thrown out in court. And so now the president's strategy is to do this in the public arena, to wage a media campaign and to pressure Republican elected officials in various key states into basically certifying, you know, reversing the certification of the vote. And I think that's what's so notable about this new stage that we're in. Yes, we've been hearing lies, conspiracy theories, misleading statements from the president and his allies since the night of election night. But at least for the first week or two, votes were still being counted and that there was a sense of, well, once the officials and states have certified the results, then that will sort of put a rest to it. But now... Those certifications have happened. Uh, Georgia is a great example of, you know, they did a full hand recount there. It didn't change the results. All the court battles that that have been waged by the Trump campaign have failed. And yet we're still here with the president and his allies saying things that are not true, even though they've already exhausted all the other avenues for trying to pretend like the results of the election are not true. Yeah, it, it's really remarkable what's happening. And if you look at the big picture, you know, these are the words and, and the actions of an attempted coup. Michael Beschloss, a renowned historian and, and author of many books, he told me, quote, we have never seen anything like this before. This is a president abusing his very great powers to try to stay in office, even though it is obvious to everyone that he has been defeated in the polls. And I do think that there have been a lot of people who said, oh, calling it a coup, calling it a constitutional crisis is overdramatic or premature. But it, it does seem like we're getting to that territory in a very serious way. Yeah, it's not overdramatic, actually. Uh, if, if you just, you know, isolate the actions and the words that we see from the president, he is very plainly trying to uh, overturn the results of an election by claiming fraud that does not exist and by pressuring, and he's doing it out loud and in public, by pressuring state officials in Michigan, in Georgia, and in other states to reject the will of the people to overturn uh, the popular vote in their states and to award Trump electors to the Electoral College, which would make Trump reelected as the president of the United States for four more years. It seems unlikely that he will actually succeed in this endeavor, uh, but it's very clear what he is trying to do. I also think that when you think about the phone calls and meetings that the president is having this week and the ways that he's trying to wield his influence to overturn the results, in some ways that seems somewhat similar to what President Trump was impeached for just a year ago, basically using his influence to elicit actions that he thinks will help him in the election. That's exactly right. There certainly are parallels between his behavior right now and the the acts with Ukraine that that actually got him impeached you know he's he's trying to use this power of his office and and another way he's doing it by the way and it's not gotten as much outrage because i think it's happening in plain view but on twitter for the last several days now the president has been 
publicly badgering the Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, trying to plead with him to intervene in Georgia's hand recount Hmm. and throw out ballots, uh, enough ballots that it would flip, in Trump's words, flip the result of the election in that state. I feel like this is yet another example of President Trump, like, doing the quiet part out loud, just saying clearly on Twitter, like, the thing that he is trying to do that is certainly like an attempt to undermine our democracy. But but what I'm wondering is, at what point will Republican leadership step in? You know, if there is a line for Senate Republicans, I'm not sure what it is, because we've seen this pattern for four years now, where the president does behaviors that are are reckless, that you could argue are dangerous, unconstitutional, illegal. Uh, and Senate Republicans have, have very carefully stood by his side you know, what we saw this week is is Senator Mitt Romney, the 2012 Republican presidential nominee, really one of the lone voices uh, in the Senate on the Republican side to criticize Trump over the years. He came out with a statement saying that this was antithetical to American democracy, that what Trump was doing was a genuine threat. And we saw Senator Ben Sass, another Republican uh, from Nebraska, issue a, a slightly softer statement, but a, a condemnation nonetheless. But we've not heard from uh, any other Senate Republican leaders. And there's a reason for that. I was going to say, so, so that's that's two of 50-something Republicans in the Senate. Exactly. And, and the reason so many Republican senators are fearful of uh, speaking out on this is, is twofold. First of all, they don't want Trump to start attacking them, to uh, foment a rebellion among Republican voters in their states. Some of these people are going to be up for re-election in 2022. But the other reason is there's a Georgia Senate runoff for both of Georgia's Senate seats in early January. And the results of that race are going to determine control of the Senate, whether McConnell remains as majority leader or does Democrat Chuck Schumer take on the majority. And it's a very close race. And the Republicans, especially and including McConnell, believe that they need the Republican Party united. They need Trump on their side. Uh, They need to keep Trump's base in Georgia galvanized and energized and together in order to win those Senate races. So by that logic, then, we can expect to see President Trump continue to spread lies and conspiracy theories about the results of the election well through the Electoral College actually meeting next month. And we shouldn't expect that all of a sudden there's going to be one day where Republican leadership says, "Okay, enough is enough. The election is over. I think that's right. You know, I think once the results are certified in these states and the Electoral College electors, meet and and certify that result in December, then I assume we're going to hear from every elected official, including Republicans, that Joe Biden is in fact the president-elect of the United States. But until then, I, I would be very surprised if Republican leaders on Capitol Hill actually stood up to the president because over four years, they've shown no willingness to do so. Phil Rucker is the White House bureau chief for The Post. On Friday, Senator Lamar Alexander from Tennessee became the latest Republican member of the Senate to acknowledge in a statement that Joe Biden has, quote, a very good chance of becoming the next president.
that's it for this segment of Post Reports. Full episodes of our show come out every weekday afternoon. You can subscribe at postreports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. Thanks for listening.